This is Jets at Noon with Cameron Poitras on 680-CJOB. You know, I, I, I don't know the reasons in those guys. I don't know that that's the, you know, uh, the, the directions. Uh, those are the part of the processes that, you know, have to take place, uh, you know, over the period of time. I think that, you know, the fans, you know, definitely appreciate that fact that, you know, decisions aren't made just by knee-jerk. They're not made just by, you know, overreaction. I think, you know, that, that's that's what the, you know, fans have, have come to expect and, um, you know, that's that's what they're going to get. And, and, you know, moving forward, you know, those decisions are going to have purpose and, and, uh, and, and, you know, it's it's a challenge. Kevin Chevaldeoff, general manager of the Winnipeg Jets, who will be returning for a 13th season next year. Uh, at the helm is the general manager of the Winnipeg Jets, Cameron Poitras. Jim Toth here. Jim, how you doing? I am well today. How are you? Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Happy to be here. Um, inter- happy the way you speak to me. Yeah. I'm happy the way you treat me. Yeah. Even yeah. when I don't perform well, I understand what you're saying. Yada, yada, yada. Let's keep going. I try to only do the call out, you know, twice a year when I just have to lambaste you on air. When you, when and you really, it. really take you to task for just all the, like the constant nagging I have to do. Yeah. Yeah. See, I don't like nagging. Oh, is that, is that why we always had problems with the two of you? Not always, you? but like, you, you like when I was a child <laughs> or in certain <laughs> yeah. past relationships, yeah. I don't mind being asked. Mm-hmm. And then if I haven't followed through to be reminded, mm-hmm. but the nagging. Not a fan. Not, not a, a fan. Jim. Jim. It's not a. It's not a trait that Jim. All you Toth need to know about Jim Toth is not a fan of the nagging or the yelling and the screaming. What is it? Uh, no drama. What's the? What's your drama saying? free since seventy three? Yeah, that's right. Now the problem is, is I was born in seventy two, but it doesn't, it doesn't rhyme. Doesn't work as well. So I didn't have a lot of drama as a year old. Yeah, but I don't drama think so. free since seventy three. That's how I like to live my life. You and know? Regardless, you got rid of your drama by the time you hit. One year old. I don't watch reality shows where angry wives are yelling at each other. That's I drama free, you know. I try to do. I I don't watch dating shows where you're in the hot tub with three women visiting their parents and then picking. I don't like the drama. Yeah, you just yeah drama three since drama free. Now that being said, unfortunately, I had to read a bunch of drama on the weekend. Yeah, there was a ton of drama. And Jim's, let me go here and and I'll hand things off. We're going to talk Chevy right out the bat. Then come back twelve thirty. We're going to discuss the players, uh, their year enders as well as uh, head coach Rick Bonus. But the Chevy one happened yesterday. Very pertinent. Please text the show two zero four seven eight zero sixty. 868 uh 204-780-6868 okay so here's my here's my take on this whole thing i listened to all 42 minutes it was about 42 minutes of not much uh if anybody who who listened to it they i don't know any 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 other way that you could suggest that it was but i this is the way that i look at it is i i think shovel day knew he was going to take heat for that presser because he must have he must have accepted it and measured it against what also could have happened because based on that near 42 minutes here if you can take what if you take what Kevin Cheveldayoff said literally over those forty two minutes, you have somebody that is in absolute denial, right? If you're taking it in in absolute literal sense, everything that he's saying without any context attached to attached to it. If you're listening to it literally, you're listening to a guy that I believe, in my opinion, is in total denial, right? Now, I think it's not that. I think it's. You have somebody that's purposely committed to accepting that he's going to get a little bit of criticism over the next little bit, maybe a lot of criticism over the next little bit, 
because he really did himself no favors in terms of, you know, no fans were listening to that and felt better about the situation. But I, I see it more as a, as a guy not willing to tip his hand and make promises that he can't, he either can't keep or he can't deliver on. Right. And so I, I, I don't think Shovel Dayoff is in denial, but if you take his availability literally and the words that he literally said, that can be the only conclusion. Right. I think Kevin Shovel Dayoff is well aware that changes are, 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 are going to be made here because if he, literally meant every word that he said, and that is how he's going to handle this offseason, well, I don't think he should be the guy heading into the 13th season. I, I just don't believe that. But I believe his actions suggest otherwise. I'm not just coming to this conclusion uh, you know, right off the top of my head here. If he truly believed what he literally was saying on Sunday, then the Winnipeg Jets would have dealt their first-round pick. They would have had prospects sent out, but they didn't. They sent a second-rounder, Next season for Nino Niederreiter, a next year's draft, and a 2025 fifth rounder for Vladislav Nemesnikov, right? Nemesnikov, a guy that has been moving around a lot, could probably, if you, you did pretty well, a guy that they can re-sign and keep here that wants maybe a little bit of stability on a two-year deal. Nino Niederreiter, again, he's, he's a UFA at the end of next season. That was a good trade here. So if what Kevin Shevardlyoff was really saying, I don't believe that that they would have been so hesitant and we wouldn't have heard those comments around the trade deadline saying that the organization is on two sides of the fence. They don't know what they really truly have and they're not willing to commit 100%. So that tells me that Kevin Sheveldayoff was playing another game. He was not tipping his hand. He was watching and he he's trying to protect the assets that he has here because if he really literally meant what he had said over those 42 minutes, which wasn't much, and that everything's fine, and, you know, listen, it's tough to make the playoffs, and, you know, look at these guys, you know, like, we believe in this, you know, this core has done a lot uh, of great things. You know, I, I just don't see that. And I believe he's purposely being coy, um, and he doesn't want to suggest something that might bite him or come up while he's trying to keep players like like Connor Hallibuck and, and, and something like that. Is that a right move? I think certainly as a fan, you'd have liked more honesty. I understand. I wish I, I wish there would have been a little bit more honesty. But I don't believe that changes is changes on the way here. There's going to be moves made. And in terms of Sheveldayoff saying, oh, I don't, we're not going to make any knee-jerk reactions. Listen, there's no more knee-jerk reactions left. You're dealing with the same issues as last season. If you decide you're going to make trades here and you're going to do it over the next little bit, um, they're not going to be knee-jerk reactions because everything has been figured out. And th- th- again, this is all out there here. There's no knee-jerk reactions left. You know exactly what this core is. And then plus, the, the entire situation, we're going to get into the players later, but I mean, what's what's your take on the Sheveldayoff conference? I think Kevin Sheveldayoff does what he always does, and that's not tell you one thing of what he's going to do. And it doesn't matter whether it's, um, a Brian Little extension, Blake Wheeler extension, yep. Josh Morrissey extension, Connor Hellebuck extension. You ne- he never leans one way to what he's doing, and this is another example of it. Mm-hmm. Should he have said more or appeased the fans who are very upset, and rightfully so, more? And especially with the drama that happened on Saturday, I don't like – so take the drama away from it. Yeah. Take all the re- – We'll get into the players, but ridiculous things the players said on Saturday. There's lots of that. Take that away and say they all said, it's not good enough. We underperformed. It's on us. We need to be more accountable, and we need to find a way to get over the hump. Say they did that, and then Kevin Sheveldayoff comes out on Sunday and says what he says. It's, It's not as dramatic. The players really took this 
awry on the weekend mm -hmm. with what they said. Um, and if that's how they feel, fair enough. But Kevin Cheveldayoff, in my opinion, is guilty of never telling you anything about anything, even the positive side of it. Ask him about drafting Mark Shifley. He's like, well, there was nine of us in a room and five of us wanted him, four of us didn't, and so majority ruled. He won't take credit for it, blah, blah, blah. But this, to me, isn't about Cheveldayoff, although he missed an opportunity, in my mind, to appease to some of the fans. But, but this is the thing that's lost in all of this. Kevin Cheveldayoff has to, and I believe will make, some drastic changes this year with this roster. But he also has to retain some of them. And the minute he says he's doing that, what is the one consistent, other than the drama that was unrolled from the players, was, I'm not interested in a rebuild. I'm not interested in a rebuild. I like it here, but I don't want to be rebuild. I'm at a point in my career where I don't want to rebuild. So I didn't expect Kevin Cheveldayoff to come out and say, we're going to make some changes to go a new direction and probably have a chance to win, blah, blah, blah. Because then every player who he needs to keep here the Kyle Connors, the Nick Ehlers, the Appletons, the Lowrys, the Morrisseys don't want to hear that. The ones he needs to convince to stay, Connor Hallebuck, Pierre-Luc Dubois, maybe Shifley Wheeler. I don't believe that, but... Yeah, no, I don't either. So, like, the he's got this job to do that goes, hey, Connor Hellebuck, we would love for you to stay here. What are you thinking of money long-term and what do you need? If he comes out and says, it's time to change a core. We're going in a new direction. I'll let you know what that is. And then two weeks from now, sits down with Connor Hellebuck's agent. What does Connor say? I'm interested, but I'm not doing anything until I see what you do. Mm -hmm. Well, that doesn't help me. I need you to sign right now. I need to know if you're going to be here. I'm not committing to being here until I know where you're going. So that's why I believe Kevin Cheveldayoff was, everything's fine. We made the playoffs four to five years. Don't discount making the playoffs, blah, blah, blah. Do I believe that he thinks everything's fine? No, I don't. No, I don't either. Do I believe he thinks that he can run this back again and find more success than he has running it back five or six years in a row? No, I don't. I think he knows he needs to make some changes. And I think he will make some changes. The problem with making those changes is, is you don't want to change everything. You don't want to lose Connor Hellebuck, Pierre-Luc Dubois. And for those guys to stay, whether they do or not, they, and I don't blame them. Like, Connor Hellebuck's not wrong where he's at at his stage of his career. Yep. To go on the dotted line for seven more years and have a rebuild for three to four of those, and then now you're not as good as you were because you're 33, 34 years old, there's your chance at a Stanley Cup. So that's what I think. And this isn't defending Shevel Day off. I'm just putting myself in his shoes. Should he be, so should he have come out and said, we need to change things and we're going to be open for business and this isn't acceptable anymore, just making the playoffs. That would have sold some tickets and appeased some fans, but I don't know what it would do to try and retain maybe, the key pieces he needs to try and retain. Maybe I'm off base, but you know what I read from it? I saw a guy that was being extremely careful and I saw a guy that was a little bit nervous. That's what I saw. I saw somebody yeah. who was a little bit nervous. Well, why wouldn't he be? A hundred percent. Like, like, this, look, at, like look at his his job right now. And yes. I, I said on Friday, whether it's him or somebody else, and I'm not saying it has to be him, mm -hmm. whoever does this this summer has to be here. Yeah. It's not a job where Cheveldayoff does it this summer, and then next summer a new guy comes in, and all the work's kind of been done for the next three to four years. Mm -hmm. 
So if it is him that's got to be here. Which it is going I, to again, be. Again, I'm not defending him, people. Just you try and do this. You try and get Connor Hellebuck and Pierre-Luc Dubois on seven-year deals and move Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley and convince those guys to sign before you've moved them and, and he's believe in, a, in this He's future. in a situation where every word could be make or break in terms of how this whole thing is going to shake out. I mean, in terms of negotiations is where this thing is going to come together. Even if it's, they not, win. it's not going to be what, what happened in, but, but the presser, it's going to, it's going to like all the players are going to listen to that. The agents are going to listen to it. I just, I saw all this drama on Saturday and read it all. And we're going to get into that after the yeah, break. We're going to get into it. after. But the break. I, I just, I don't know what saying, I don't know how that benefits a situation by going, we need to make changes and we're going to do some stuff. And every, the, everything's on the at table. At the same time, if you are a fan and you're listening, and thank you so much for listening to the program, but at this at the time, if you are dissatisfied with what Kevin Shevoldayoff said on Sunday, I don't blame you whatsoever. No, I, I and that's why I'm saying I'm not defending him. Yeah, like I'm 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 I just, on your I side. I don't know if I if I'm in his shoes, I don't know if I come out and go, this isn't acceptable, and we've ran it back five years in a row. Yeah. It's not working. Let, so yeah, I'm going to pick and choose here. the key pieces that I want to try and keep, and I'm going to move the rest. How that benefits me when I got two two out of four guys I need to keep. That's the situation. That that's I'm with you on that 100. percent Is it was it irritating? Yeah, but I think like I said earlier leading into it, I think he it, I think he knew he was going to get he's going to get don't skewered think for this. Paul Maurice, Rick Bonus, Dave Lowry. Don't think Kevin Chevaldeff doesn't want to come out and go. Are you freaking kidding me? Yeah, six years and this is not enough. This is good enough. We've got to move forward. Yeah. I think they I, all wanted to He knew to he say was going to get some criticism. He knew he was going to get some bad articles, some bad press. He knew that was coming, but I think he I think he measured it going one way or the other and he took he took just getting some bad press and moving now, on. Now let's get into these players. Let's get into the players at 12:30. Text the show 204-780-68. It was a doozy. Um Yeah, I am not even going to tip my hat a little bit. You can probably figure out how I think about it, but we'll be right back. Chats at noon on 680-CJOB. Pistol, what's up, man? How you doing? How are you doing? We don't, a, we don't talk any. Me and him talk anymore. No, we, we, haven't, uh, we, haven't had a, we haven't had a heart-to-heart in a while. You know, for two guys that uh, enjoy talking about the Winnipeg Jets and covering them, we uh, both took vacation at just a terrible time. There's nothing to talk about, though. No. Nothing at all. Yeah. On to football season. How can you guys miss the end of the season? It's ridiculous. I uh, I actually took my Jets jersey out to BC on my trip and uh, wore Nobody with, cares. Wore with Things pride. happened. <laughs> right. What are you guys talking about on the show anyway? What's it called? What, 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 was the, what was the reaction? You said that there's a ton of hockey fans in oh, Florida, Orlando. Full. Yeah. Orlando was crazy Tampa Bay Lightning. Massive. I, I was what's just the, there in March uh, and I can concur. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, you were actually. And then what was the Huge feel out BC about the Jets and everything? Uh, there was It was a lot of Edmonton, actually. Uh, probably a lot of closeted Vancouver Canucks fans that pretended they don't care. Um, oh, I love those guys. My cousin, with, lots which is them. one. Yeah, they, they're moving on in, on to something, I guess. I don't know, Seahawks football. They don't really have anything else out there. <laughs> or the Mariners, they suck too. Uh, yeah. And uh, there was a lot of Edmonton fans. We went to a couple of... Uh, you know, game nights in Kelowna at some at some beer uh, markets and stuff like that, and there were some some dry sidle McDavid jerseys yeah, out. Kelowna and the is are everywhere. Of course. Kelowna is northern Alberta south. Like, oh, hundred percent. The, the yeah. Oiler fans, and yeah. there's a lot of people I know when I work in Grand Prairie that retire in Kelowna. And, I mean, uh, it's a, it's just such a tough place to live. You I don't know, know how you do it. Boston Bruins losing. Can I tell you guys a story. Yeah, the Disney World. Okay, so I was in line at the, for the Millennium Falcon ride, and of course you wearing were. my Jets hat. <laughs> 
course a, I was. Hey, I'll be. I made fun of you there, but honestly, that's a great ride. <laughs> I know you tried it. So I was. I was. Anyways, I was in line, and I'm wearing my Jets hat, and this guy, this guy across from me, and he goes, "Hey Jets, this kid, maybe 21, hey, 22. Jets. He goes, "Hey Jets, hey, they suck. Go Bruins, go oh, no. Bruins." I don't know where this kid was from. He was a young, younger kid or whatever. And I said, "Hey," I said, "You look at me," and he goes, "What?" And I said, "So the Bruins are going to choke." Yes. And he looked at me and he goes, and this was this was last week. And he goes, he goes, what? When they're up three one? Yeah, they're up three one. And I said they're going to choke. And I said, you remember when they choke? You remember who, me? I said, I said, you remember <laughs> who I rem- am? That's right. I said, you remember me? <laughs> who do you think you when are? They, I am? When they, yeah, who do you think you are? You, <laughs> exactly. You call that guy right now from Boston. And <laughs> yeah. You go, hey, you like apples? Yeah. yeah. How, How about them apples? apples? <laughs> Because I got a number. You remember me, kid, and you remember who you heard it from first. And he goes, uh. There's angst all over the North America with hockey right now. It's crazy. It's just angst. I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I'm fully on board with an Edmonton-Toronto final now. I want, oh, I, I want Canada to burn. Here. I want this place to burn. This I, uh, I had an Edmonton-New York Ranger final, so that's what I want. And maybe something in my life gambling-wise will pay off. So yeah. good riddance to I, Colorado you know and Boston. I guess I'm going for Florida. I, but now. I told you when we made Florida. our predictions, I, I didn't think Boston would win the Stanley Cup. I'm not saying I didn't have him coming out of the first, but I said the last month, it's 65 wins or 63, whatever. You can't keep that up for six, well, and seven you're never months. Challenged. You got into first and you never looked back. Like, well, no just it's there. so hard to play month after month at that level. You knew there was going to be a little bit of a drop off, and I get it. Like a little bit of a drop off when you're that good yeah. can still get it done, but then you run the risk of what happened. Like it's not that it was two two and then three three. Like to come back from three one, they lost Boston, including two home games, lost three in a row. I think that's only the second time all year. Both of them in overtime. And not, and to be fair, like Florida's not a bunch of plumbers and milkmen. Like they won the President's Trophy last yeah, year. Yeah, but Made they're not the same changes. team. For but everybody who said, well, you know, Maurice just had them in the eighth play. They're not the same team. I mean, look at Calgary. Yeah. Like there was the two teams that made the major trade and Calgary could never figure it out. And, and Florida didn't figure it out for five months. Yeah, it took them a long time. Mm-hmm. So... Anyway, thanks, Pistol. Good to have thanks. you back. Good, good, good talk. to have you both My back. My pleasure, talk. boys. Good thing we had a talk. Good talk. He's a good guy. Yeah, he is a good guy. You need good guys, right? Hey, yeah. speaking of that, you need good guys. You need good guys. Um, Rick Bonus. Here, I'm going to kick things off. I'm going to play this clip from him, and this was from Saturday. I can't come before you after a game like game five and sugarcoat it. I can't do that. That's not me. I'm not going to uh, – you guys are all knowledgeable hockey people. Yeah, I'm not going to go in there and say – Oh, we just missed this, so we fought. I'm not going to say that. We had a bad game. It wasn't a good enough effort from most of the team. That's a fact. I can't hide from that, and nor will I sugarcoat it. Okay, so then we see a parade. You have Adam Lowry, you got Kyle Connor, you got Connor Hallibuck backing up. Blake Wheeler's statement, and, and it goes on. Mark Shifley learned from last year to keep his mouth shut on situations like this. He didn't say much. Um, but here, here's the players should be upset. They should be upset about what Bone said afterwards. Now, what I don't like is them all saying that they didn't know how he felt and he should have said it face-to-face. Now, he spoke, and this has been confirmed, by several players and by the coach and by the general manager. Bone spoke to the team between the second and the third period. They sat behind him. They sat in front of him on the bench the entire game. He's called out his team several times throughout the season. I mean, 
this wasn't something that just happened. This has been building for months and months. Now, they don't like the players don't like having their pride questioned, and they were embarrassed. And now they're annoyed that on Saturday they had to answer these questions. I don't blame them. But in a situation like this, Jim, you know what I say? I say tough luck. Because no one likes to be embarrassed by their boss. They can be upset with bonus as much as they want. But the harsh reality is, is bonus wasn't on the ice in game five. He wasn't on the ice in February, January and February and into March when things were ugly. Right. And for the previous months, they did that to themselves. That had nothing to do with bonus. And this core over the last year and a half, Jim has had three coaches. One is resigned and one did what bonus did after game five. Can you recall a coach resigning midseason and on the same core? I, I don't know what that is. On the same core, you have the one calling out his team like Bones did at the end of game five. This is how frustrating I believe that this group is and this roster. They have no pu- pushback, and I don't think that you can argue with it. But here's the thing, Jim, and I, I think I have this whole situation. I think I got a good beat on it now. I think I do. And... I, I, the, I don't deny the player. The Jets were not in that series until until game five. It was getting real, real dire after they lost game four. But it, there was I, I had some hope that they were going to figure it out. And then two seconds into game five, it was out the door. Right. Vegas's best players were better than Winnipeg's best players. They can't you can't argue that. Maybe they shouldn't have used the word disgusting question their pride and all that stuff. stuff. You know, the players are being honest. I didn't like their answers. Right. It seems there's a real issue with accountability amongst the guys in the locker room, which it seems we already knew, and it's been a dominant trait so far in this core, particularly over the last number of years. This whole team likes each other. They all really like each other. They all want to win together. But, Jim, it's not going to work. It's not going to work because the situation is, as a collective, right now, these guys are not good for each other as a hockey team. They're not. And that's why changes have to be made. Well, yeah, I, I mean, we. how long have we done this with what's going on in that room, right? And I always hearken back to when Evander Kane's tracksuit got thrown in a hot tub in Vancouver and then dealt. And Mark Stewart, uh, at the time an assistant captain, held court and he said, you guys will never know more than 4 to 5% of what goes on in a room. Mm-hmm. With all the access you have and all the social media and everything else, what actually transpires in a room, you guys will never know. And then he said, and this week, you guys got about a 20% glimpse of what goes on in the room. And so people often ask me when I tell that story, like, what, what are you talking Well, the, the problem is, is that when I was in that room, um, and Evander Kane would do interviews without a shirt on, and he, you're not supposed to do that by the rule of the NHL, mm-hmm. I would see the Blake Wheelers come in and see that and roll his eyes and then say, can somebody get Kaner a shirt? And Kaner would stop his interview, Kaner, Kane, yeah. and would say, no, I'm good. They like this and keep doing the interview. And Wheeler would just stand there and roll his eyes and sit down. So those are the kinds of things when you're in the room daily, you get a little glimpse of it. It's the same mm-hmm. at practice, like, oh, somebody's working on faceoffs and all that. So that's the 5% I think Mark Stewart's referencing. The 80 or to 95% that you don't is when Vander Kane asked for a trade for three years in a row, and we didn't know that. Yeah. So it's really hard to go into the room and decide. But what we do know is this. I felt awful for the Jets fans as player after player after player came out. And I didn't feel sorry for Rick Bonus because – Jets fans have been with this core, whether you wanted these guys traded or not, for five to six years. 
In pro hockey, that's more than enough time to go on another run since 2018. Blake Wheeler said he signed here after 2018 because he believed in it. Yeah. And that's why everybody's so mad is because on paper, and don't I know what paper represents. You don't have to text me or tweet me. But on paper, this roster has very much underachieved over a five-year span. What is so disappointing is the lack of accountability on Saturday. Mm -hmm. You can say you didn't like that your coach publicly ripped you, but he publicly ripped you after San Jose, too. He benched two star players in Carolina, and those guys refused to or did not want to come out and speak to the media. That has to stop. You have to understand when you represent this organization or any organization in the National Hockey League that the good comes with the bad, the bad comes with the good. I don't care if you guys came out and said, I didn't like what the coach had to say after it. And Blake Wheeler did go a little bit further and say, look, he's human and he makes mistakes and blah, 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 and that. But the idea that you come out and say, I didn't like what the coach had to say and don't follow it up with, and I, he doesn't have to say anything because I'm more disappointed in my performance in that game and that series than anybody else. Mm-hmm. Not one of them said that. And then you went down the line to the Adam Lowry's and the Kyle Connors of the world who said, I didn't like what he said, and there's better ways to manage that and all that. The Lowry one struck me because Lowry is the son of a coach. And his dad has done something special with Seattle this year. It's just time to break this group up Mm. because there's a lot of those guys in there I think are good guys and want to win, but it's not working. No. And we're all fired up right now and we're all like want to say this guy is an idiot and blah, blah, blah. Mm. And fair enough. Like whatever. But this disconnect that this core group has had with this idea that you're now on your third coach and whether he does it behind closed doors or publicly, you still don't perform better. And you still don't accept the fact that you need to be better. And like you guys are going to go on and make your millions and play for a couple more years, wherever you end up or here. But to me, what is is so disappointing for the Jets fans and what they heard on Saturday was, I want to win. And I'm willing to look at myself and to do what it takes to win. What I heard a lot from is it'll just happen. You just have to believe that, you know, if we stay together, we believe in ourselves. And Now, yeah. Hellebuck and Wheeler talked a little bit like this might be their last go. And Wheeler was right in his assessment of how do you want to be remembered. He said, well, I just never took a shift off. And he didn't. He might have played poorly, but it wasn't from a lack of effort. Yeah, Broken ribs, whatever you have it. And so did Evander Kane. Now that we're talking about Evander Kane, the one thing I always say when other people ask me about his time here is, yeah, it wasn't good. And he was a massive ego and he wasn't the nicest guy, not to me, but to other people, I could see that. But that guy never took a shift off. And that's where it comes down to this team needs somebody. They first, they got to move Wheeler. Well, Jim, the thing was, they just do. And and you heard it. Just let me finish this quickly. Okay, sorry, go ahead. They got to move Wheeler. And they got to do something with Mark Shifley. Um, and, and rightfully or wrong, and I think it's rightful, by the way, they just need some other people in the, to come in now. Yep. On the ice, it's been long enough, and you've underachieved. Off the ice, it's not getting to a point where I know anywhere can see that it will get better on the ice. They need a new direction. 
they don't have to blow it up, stop it with that. They don't have to rebuild. They have to retool. Mm -hmm. They need to move Blake Wheeler and set him free because he needs to, for his own hockey career and wherever he wants to go, and get some new people in here that, and here's what I'm talking about. Brendan Dillon and Nate Schmidt are not being talked about enough. Those are guys who have been here for two years and they're post game because of what all the other leaders who have been here for long enough mm-hmm. have spoken about. Get some new guys in here for Wheeler and Shifley. You have Connor and Ehlers and Lowry and Morrissey and hopefully Hellebuck yep. and maybe Pierre-Luc Dubois. But Connor, Ehlers, Nita Ryder, Lowry, Morrissey, those kind of guys and get a couple of other guys in here and just get a new direction. Well, it's well. You even and you even heard Adam Lowry say, "Well, you know, Blake Wheeler is still like the captain of this team. That's why he's got to go. That's why. That's why he's got because if they would have embraced this, like Blake kind of to me, I don't know what goes on behind closed doors, but on the ice, it looked like he was, you know, not wearing it every single day. In his post games, he was looking like it wasn't being taken home with him. Yeah, and all that. Um. But clearly when they all say, well, he was still our captain and stuff, he was removed for captain for a reason. Yeah. And they wanted to put it on everybody. And what it sounds like at the end of the year, if you still believe he was your captain and leader, it sounds like, like they all said there was more voices in the room, more this, more that. But he was still, he was still the captain. He just wasn't wearing a C. But it was still his. Yeah. And so the the removal of the C didn't do anything. No, like maybe somebody else should have, should have been given it. Maybe that should have been what happened, to, to hand it over to well, somebody. Well, I think they but, wanted somebody to st- – so, like, everybody's talking Lowry's got to be the next captain, or Morrissey. That's what I think they were hoping would happen by yeah. the end of this year. And that's not what happened. And it's clearly not what happened. See, now, but, Jim, this is a, it's a win-win situation. This is a win-win situation for everybody. Blake Wheeler, Mark Shifley, it's a win for them to move on. It's a win for the organization to move on. It's a win. It's for one of those ideas where it's it's best for everybody. It's it's a decision. It's a mu- it should be a mutual decision where everybody is happy. It's what's best for everybody, and and that's why what's the disappointing part is is that I just, I mean, the drama and the dysfunction and the yeah. just lack of accountability on Saturday. And good for Rick Bonus to come out, who wasn't supposed to speak. And good for him to come out and go, you know what, Disgusted was a little strong, but how that game was played will never be why acceptable. Did they, why, did, why did they move that up, Jim? Why did he? Because that's a pushback. That's yeah. a, like, if they want to talk like this, I'll come out and I'll be a mature man and say, I shouldn't have used that language, but my message is the same. That's, quote unquote, pushback. Yeah. That's, I heard you guys, we're in this together. But don't think that because I used a bad word, your performance is forgiven. That's pushback. Yeah. That, if you want to not have your coach do that, have a little pushback on the ice. Embarrass them is what it was, and that's what they didn't like. It all boils it was, down it was to a me, collective. That's what happened. And people argue this with me all the time. Fair enough. I, I'll go to my grave. There's too much skill and talent on this team for them to just be sitting where they are again this year. That's why it's so frustrating. And if you want to, if you want to not put yourself at blame for this, I don't know who you want to blame. You're on your third coach. Your GM kept you together I, because three coaches, Jim, couldn't get this guy's going. Paul Maurice resigned mid-season. When's the last time that happened? And then you have Rick Bonus pushed to the point of frustration and, and okay, emotional. After a game like that, you're on an elimination game, 
everybody in that organization, every fan should have been, been upset. I've never seen a coach at the end of a end of a series, and he wasn't just. And I know that the framework was about him speaking about. Oh, it was just game five. It wasn't just game five. It's your dad saying, "I'm disappointed in you." Yeah. If your dad came in and said, you dumb kid, and you shouldn't have done that, blah, 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 you're like, okay, dad. But if your dad sits down and goes, I'm really disappointed in you, they're, and that's embarrassing. They're upset. we got to take a break. They're upset because it happened in front of a microphone, in front of a, tele, in front of a TV, and on the radio. That's why they're upset. But if they're going to frame it as like, oh, I wish it would have happened face-to-face, and, and, and Adam Lowry saying, well, if he's been feeling that way since February, maybe we could have done something to change it. He they, told you that they, after Carolina. He told you that they, after San Jose. What they, they upset about is they didn't say it in the room before he said it in the media. They like to know deal. what's going to be said. Big deal. Before it's been said. Big deal. And that and how it works is the next day he would go in and say, well, look, guys, this is what I felt last night and blah, blah. And then they'd have a practice. Rick is right. Like, there was no availability the next day. They get yeah. on a plane and they go. But I just, I'm sorry. They knew he was that upset. There's no way they didn't know that. Just, I, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. Just take some accountability and ownership. Yes. It's your team. You own it. You guys are the players. At some point, go, it's really disappointing that for the fifth year in a row, we didn't achieve what we wanted to. Jets at noon on 680 CJOB. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.